Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Are you talking about a massive rewrite of the zoning code? No, um, no. I am talking about convening a conversation with Chicagoans about the wide cross-section of things that go into making up uh, the quality of life. That's transportation. That's the role of our parks, housing. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman, and with us today is the new Planning and Development Commissioner, Maurice Cox. And joining me in questioning Maurice Cox is our business and labor reporter, David Roeder. Thank you both. Thank well, you. Commissioner, uh, you have an interesting background. Former mayor of Charlottesville, Virginia, and a former De- Detroit planner, a former uh, professor at Tulane University. What does all that give you to bring to Chicago and particularly to the south and west sides that have waited so long for development? Well, sure. I I think uh, certainly my involvement in politics have have helped me understand um, ordinary residents and how to turn uh, some of their hopes and desires into actionable plans. Um, You know, politicians are um, very much attuned to um, improving people's quality of life. You you don't get reelected on plans. You get reelected on actual um, ways that you can change people's lives. Um, the academic background just helps me uh, be an uh, advocate for ideas. Uh, I tend to be willing uh, to take the risk uh, and see the city as a real laboratory um, for how change can happen. Um, so you know, design and politics are indivisible. And so the real world context um, is the place where I like to work. Uh, And I like to bring folks along and uh, show them that design can actually really matter in their lives. Uh, So this is a wonderful opportunity. Invest Southwest is the mayor's plan to deliver on her promise to bring to the South and West Side neighborhoods neglected for so long, who really felt ignored by Rahm Emanuel's administration and his, what they believe, downtown-centric development, and really deliver a huge infusion of investment, $250 million from the city, $500 million from other agencies. How are you going to do that? You are a champion of 20-minute neighborhoods. Tell us what that is. How are you going to deliver it to these 10 neighborhoods? Sure. Um, I think we are all um, pedestrians first, uh, and then we get into our cars and we take public transit. So I've often thought, you know, what would life be like if you could receive 80% 
of your daily uh, needs within a 20-minute walk from your front door. Uh, and I think it just changes the mindset of going back to a local, locally-based uh, way of understanding neighborhoods. And the framework and the, uh, the development of Chicago's neighborhoods are already set that way. I mean, everyone remembers um, when their commercial corridors were thriving, where they could get all of the things that they needed within that uh, walkable distance from their home. Um, but, you know, urban policy has moved away from that over the past 50 years. And, uh, and so has shopping. <laughs> and so has shopping. People shop differently now. Uh, but the uh, bones uh, are, of those historic communities are still in place. What they need is a massive infusion of investment, public investment that leverages private investment. And so I look at that $250 million of um of TIF dollars and neighborhood opportunity dollars as a down payment that will leverage uh, and have a multiplier effect in the private sector. And we've already begun to see that happening with uh, BMO stepping forward in partnership with United Way, with Starbucks coming in uh, again with 10 million. So I actually believe that when, when this is all said and done, we are going to unleash uh, the type of strategic investment in the South Side and the West Side that we historically simply have not seen. You said design and politics intersect in Chicago. Of course, so does uh, zoning and, and politics. <laughs> uh, aldermanic privilege here and in zoning, how does that practice compare here with the other cities that you're familiar with? And um, how would you reform the zoning process here? Sure. I mean, zoning uh, is the way that we put in place the, the desires of our community. I mean, it is the blueprint. Uh, it's our regulatory obligation. Uh, and if you, you know, some people say if you don't know where you're going, you know, any road will do. And I believe strongly that Chicago, in order to address the zoning issue, has to begin to adopt a citywide plan, we have to convene a conversation with this community as to where we are going, and then we translate those desires into rules and ordinances and regulatory instruments that allow people to reasonably predict uh, the future. And I believe when we do that, this whole question of spot zoning here and there will significantly subside. So. That's something I'm committed to. I think that's the, the right way to deal with um, this zoning prerogative uh, that has uh, created a rather uh, chaos and unpredictability for many Chicagoans as they try to see what the future of their neighborhoods are. So are you talking about another massive rewrite of the zoning code, which last happened under Richard M. Daley? Um, I, my understanding is that the last time we've had um, a real uh, look at a citywide comprehensive strategy is in the 1960s. 
Uh, and but it was done under Richard M. Daley. I know it was. And yeah. Bill Banks was the chairman. So are you talking about a massive rewrite of the zoning code? No. Uh, no. I am talking about convening a conversation with Chicagoans about the wide cross-section of things that go into making up uh, the quality of life. That's transportation. That's the role of our parks, housing, what type of housing we want, uh, the the sum total of all of those uh, is what I'm talking about. You can't isolate one item uh, because they're all interconnected. Ultimately, do you still see aldermen as having essentially veto power over zoning in their wards? You know, I have to say I, uh, I see this as a partnership. Um, I've spent a lot of time to try to get to know uh, the aldermen, and uh, have understood that they have not always had access to planning, neighborhood planning. Uh, I intend to give it to them. So I go, I go through this as a, a sincere partnership, and I think they're getting it, that they won't need to act in arbitrary ways because they have a planning commissioner who is going to work with them in partnership. Mayor Emanuel put a Whole Foods in Englewood. What was wrong with that? He loved the idea. He thought it was the, you know a real catalyst. Did it turn out that way? Um, it is a, a very powerful investment, and it dealt with a critical issue of uh, an area of the city that was a food desert. Um, I would argue that it was only one piece of a puzzle uh, that has not been completed. Um, the, I, don't, um, I don't discern a housing strategy to suggest that that area is going to be repopulated to support um, those type of, of activities. Um, I don't see a parks strategy um, uh, to complement uh, that Whole Foods. I don't see a, a public realm transformation. I see uh, one item in, um, in, I think, what would have to be a comprehensive strategy. And so, yes, I think a foundation was led uh, um, was made, but now we have to build on it. And that's why, you know, Invest Southwest, we are going right back to Inglewood and are finally going to bring these other components of the strategy to bear. Uh, the alderman um, showed an amazing um, show of leadership uh, this week when yeah, five the of the aldermen came together. Uh, and I actually believe that the anticipation of a strategic uh, public investment that leverages private investment was one of the reasons why they came together. So what are you going to do for Englewood that Emmanuel did not? I think we are going to finish the job. Uh, I want to take advantage of, you know, Kennedy King uh, as an ed educational anchor there. We want to populate the street with smaller locally serving businesses that can benefit from the foot traffic that a Whole Foods creates. Uh, we wanna have a housing, affordable housing strategy uh, that can anticipate what the future population uh, will be when we rebuild uh, Inglewood. I wanna have a strategy for um, maintaining vacant lots, which is not throwing grass seed and set setting up a mowing regime. I think we can use all of those assets uh, that the community has. And I would have to say, one of the reasons why we're in Inglewood is that there is an amazing network of community nonprofits and stakeholders who have been holding down uh, the fort for a long time. 
um, with minimal amounts of resources, and we are going to bring those resources to them through programs like the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund and TIF and others. Do you have a plan for the 50 shuttered buildings, the Chicago Public School buildings that Rahm Emanuel closed, that so many of them still sit empty? It's a very big thorn in the side of the communities. So this is a, you know, this issue uh, is very, very much uh, at the heart of what I feel uh, needs to be done when I talk about working comprehensively. Uh, I commissioned the, the most comprehensive study of the shuttered schools in Detroit, uh, 72 schools uh, with, uh, with a goal of determining which ones are ready for um, re- redevelopment, which ones need to be mothballed for a long time, and which ones need to be demolished. Um, that's how you do it. You have to look comprehensively at this amazing resource of, of, of iconic neighborhood buildings that will find their reuse. And the city can be very, very strategic uh, in so doing So what that. will you do? Um, I'd like to convince uh, the the mayor to allow us to release um, some of these schools for uh, redevelopment. And I want to do that in consultation uh, with the community there because they have very clear ideas of what they need. But very often it has to be paired with uh, a market uh, business uh, idea. uh, Yeah, what would you like to put there? So I can tell you uh, just about my experiences uh, in um, uh, proposing this uh, in three or four schools uh, in Detroit where, you know, the community wanted uh, senior housing. Uh, and so uh, sometimes those schools can be adapted quite easily for that. But they also wanted access to some of the amenities in those schools, like the gymnasium or the auditorium. And so when a community says we want the school to be a community center, uh, that doesn't mean uh, that it is the entire facility. It may be select pieces. And so those buildings become centers of community as well as uh, having uh, providing affordable housing for that, for that. That's just one example of what could be done. On affordable housing, are, are these set-asides uh, for uh, affordable housing development, are they working? Are they enough? Uh, uh, does the city have to do more in this area? Uh, such as transit-oriented development, sure. or there's talk about these uh, coach house uh, uh, legalizing them. Yeah, I mean, my um, partner, um, Commissioner uh, Navarro, uh, Marisa Navarra, has a team that is looking at a whole menu of ways to expand our portfolio of affordable housing, how we might be able to bundle um, properties Um, that may not be big properties, but if you put them together as a portfolio, um, uh, they could be uh, renovated by um, nonprofits and provide um, housing. There are other um, uh, housing portfolios that whose affordability are coming to the end of their life cycle uh, and identifying what those are to um, um, uh, continue uh, their of their financing and affordability. These are things that our housing department can do, as well as the small things about allowing for uh, additional units, uh, an additional unit to happen uh, on, um, on on properties. So there are big ways that we can support affordable housing, um, whether it's ground up new construction or whether it's uh, strategic 
adapted for use, uh, or um, the smaller things that are parcel by parcel that increase the density and increase uh, housing options for people. So there's a whole range of um, strategies that we can do that as we invest in these communities, we can also assure long-term affordability in the housing. The bundling of properties, is that the the city-owned properties? Uh, That's right. Um, I think it's it's city-owned properties. It may be properties um, by Cook County Land Bank. Um, but I also think that there are um, properties that are being underutilized. A lot of historic, smaller, multi-family buildings, they may have retail on the ground floor that need a refresh uh, in the housing above the shop. Uh, I think all of those are part of the strategy of assuring kind of longer-term affordability. You've talked about stopping the bleeding. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, Chicago, uh, even as it has emerged as a global city, uh, has lost uh, hundreds of thousands of African Americans uh, in the South Side and the West Side. Um, I think our first obligation is to stop the exodus uh, out of Chicago because you know Chicago needs a strong uh, black middle class. Uh, that means we have to pay attention to the neighborhoods where they live. And that's really at the center of why we are trying to turn our attention to the South Side and the West Side. These are areas that are have uh, where our black and brown uh, residents live. And I sincerely believe they deserve the same attention that uh, our, our uh, residents in the North and Northwest Side But how do you enjoy. stop the bleeding when people are leaving because of crime, because of lack of jobs? How do you do that? Right. Well, it's all interconnected. Um, you know, the streets aren't safe when 60% of the storefronts on your commercial corridor are vacant. Um, uh, the, um, the schools are, are not going to be repopulated if you don't have a plan for growth and how to retain those families that are there. Um, it's, it's a question of quality of life. It's a question of the physical and uh, amenities, the social amenities, the economic amenities, the environmental amenities that exist in communities. So if we tackle this uh, in a comprehensive way instead of a scattered shot way, I think we can uh, stop the bleeding. Are developers and real estate investors starting to steer clear of Chicago? Many of them say that. They, they cite uh, the concern about property taxes and the pension funding and and the like. There's another school of thought that says, no, they just don't want to build the affordable housing that's required now. What, what's going on there? No, I, I think the um, private um, real estate community is trying to understand um, uh, the Lightfoot administration's goals for Chicago. So we are in that transition period where people are trying to understand, well, what is this pivot to the south side and to the west side? Uh, It's about unleashing opportunity that the current real estate community has simply not seen. Uh, It's not in lieu of downtown, it's uh, both and. And I have said that, you know, any city uh, that's worth uh, celebrating uh, has a really robust heart uh, and that is it's downtown. It, it literally belongs to everyone. 
uh, but the but the soul of a city resides in its neighborhoods and the residents who live there. So you have to do both at the same time. So I'm trying to build a really robust team um, on, on the downtown and the South Loop and the West Loop that will be dedicated exclusively uh, to continuing um, this incredible uh, economic resurgence we've had. We haven't had a chance to un, uh, unveil this to those who are primarily involved in the downtown um, uh, economy, uh, but I'm, I'm feeling really uh, strongly that we're putting together the best team uh, that the Chicago um, Planning Department has ever put uh, on the downtown focus. And at the same time, I'm trying to build this, uh, teams that are working exclusively in the neighborhoods. And so we're going to do both and. So where, can, where does tax increment financing fit in all this? Uh, you're, you're aware of the, the, the controversies there. Does this remain a, a useful tool at all? Um, I, I think so. I mean, it is one of the ways that Chicago uh, creates uh, the framework uh, for development. Uh, and, uh, you know, we are in the process of reforming it uh, because it, it, it's not really built for neighborhood revitalization. Um, the, the, the conception of it was, you know, in places of greatest need. But as we've succeeded uh, in turning some of those areas around, we haven't found ways to port um, that. Uh, we found some. The Neighborhood Opportunity Fund is certainly one uh, that's funding neighborhood revitalization, even though that's a result of downtown uh, vibrancy. Uh, but there are many other ways that we can increase um, the economic resources available to fund the neighborhood uh, reinvestment that you see in, in uh, South Side and the West Side. Would you have given the record TIF money to Lincoln Yards in the 78? You know, I have to say, um, I wasn't here, uh, and I am reluctant to fight battles that have already been uh, fought. Uh, I know that I would love to see a transformational development um, in the South Side, in the West Side, and you know, as far as you know, the U.S. Steel site, and so. I think we might have What are you going to do about that? I mean, that's been a vexing issue for decades. Well, it's it's a vexing issue and uh it is uh rightfully one of the most unique sites that the city of Chicago has. Uh, it is, I don't know if most people realize, but it's as big as the downtown itself. And so, I think we're going to really have to work with US Steel to maximize the uniqueness of that opportunity and understand that that's like a uh, uh, that's a transformational project for uh, for Chicago. Imagine what would happen if there was a robust economy centered on that site. It would shift the center of gravity uh, in the city. Same thing w with uh, Jackson Park uh, and. Um, the investment in the uh, Obama Presidential Center. Imagine if an economy grew up around that catalytic investment. It would shift the gravity to the south of the city. So and what I'm would you like to concepts. see there? Um, I think I think it. I think um, Stony Island and uh, has a history of being um, an African African American economic mecca, and I think people have. I'm talking about U.S. Steel. Oh, U.S. Steel. Yeah, where, what would you like to put well, there? Well, first of all, I think it has um, uh, a industrial history 
that is singular, uh, and there are vestiges of that still in place. Those uh, or or walls. Uh, that are on the site with the inlet. I think we have to respect that and understand that there, the future of that site is as much a unique, perhaps industrial park that then becomes a catalyst for private development. Uh, I think it has to be done um, thoughtfully and in phases. But again, think about a, a Grant Park. Uh, think about Jackson Park. And then think about uh, the U.S. Steel site as um, public amenities, lakefront parks that then become the catalysts for private development. I think a similar narrative could be built around U.S. Steel. Is there anything real regarding U.S. Steel right now, a real proposal that is uh, pending before uh, the planning department? No, no. uh, We really, I have seen in my 120 days here, (laughs) no viable um, proposals for U.S. Steel. I have, uh, I I am committed to working with them uh, to reframe this site. I mean, when someone pointed out that it is as big as the downtown, you start to understand mm-hmm. the absurdity of the, of turning that over to a single developer. Uh, that's simply the wrong strategy. And so we are going to work with them to try to understand what a possible vision might be and understand that the we're looking at the build-out of something that might take 50 years. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the things in the heart of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh one central that massive proposal to deck over lakeshore drive a big transportation center mm-hmm. all this stuff yeah uh it it, is, it happened with millennium park sure. so is it what do you think of that project yeah i mean i, I mean i those are always kind of um inspirational aspirational projects that um you know, are easier proposed than done. (laughs) And uh, I know of a few examples of where that happened, like uh, the Boston's Big Dig. Uh, It was done at the service of creating economic development opportunity and preserving public space uh, or creating public space out of uh, nothing. Um, So it has been done. In the other communities where it's been done, it's been a multi-billion dollar effort. I think Chicago is going to have to figure out whether it wants to do that. And if it does- What do you think? Is that a priority for you? Do you think it can be done or is it a pipe dream? As I said, I think it's aspirational. Um, I think the most important thing is that if it is done, um, it's going to have to have a robust uh, community engagement process. And you know, for projects like Lincoln Yard and the 78, uh, the mayor has set in motion a community advisory group that will walk um, down and take this journey together uh, for development. So a project like that would require the same level of engagement. How about the 78? Does that look more realistic to you right now? Yeah, I've had a chance to uh, um, review the project um, I think the developers um, uh, have a pretty compelling vision uh, for what should happen on that site. And I feel confident now with the community advisory group in place or, uh, you know, we are soliciting 
participants as we speak, uh, that we can guide that project to be incredibly successful uh, for Chicago. Michael Reese. Michael Reese, uh, another project that I think uh, has amazing potential to transform um, that Brownsville um, um, kind of uh, uh, area. And I've been working very closely with uh, Alderman King and Alderman Dow uh, to make sure uh, that that, that that project is transformational. What would you like to see there? Well, I think the the developers have already put forward uh, a um, a vision that has um, mixed use development that honors the the health history of that site, um, that has uh, ample public space. Um, it's I think I think this is we have an opportunity to get this right, uh, and I have to say the developers appear to be. Um, very much uh, up to the task, uh, but this one is going to be a uh, one of my first partnerships um, with an alderman to make sure that a project that is this large-scale project lives up to the expectations that I think we all have. Alderman uh, Walter Burnett was talking uh, recently uh, again about uh, a, a plan for a landscaped cap over the Kennedy Expressway. Uh, kind of an amenity for, uh, for you know for the West Loop there, uh, is that at all doable, advisable in your view? Well, you know, I I haven't seen um, the proposal, uh, and I, I kind of can't evaluate whether it's viable. Uh, but you know, what you're describing are these big audacious projects and expensive, too. and and expensive, and so you start talking about billion dollar tiffs. You, could you imagine what we could do with a billion dollars in the south side, just doing incremental 100 little projects? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's what the community is looking for. They're looking for fill in the gaps, um, you know, do projects that are in scale with the community that we have uh, that, that play off of the unique um, assets in those particular neighborhoods. So I'm interested in unleashing hundreds of of little development projects that incrementally build these neighborhoods uh, one lot at a time. What about the Thompson Center and McCormick Place East? You call yourself a preservationist. <laughs> would you preserve both and well, find a reuse? What would you do? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by the Thompson Center question and, you know, the idea that a, a postmodern uh, icon is now uh, considered historic. Um, so it's an amazing site. Um, that was an amazing chapter, you know, in contemporary history. We're going to work with the governor's office uh, to make sure uh, that the best thing happens there. It's kind of too early to say uh, what the outcome will be, but um, but it is. Uh, I'm sure whatever it's going to be, it's going to be pretty spectacular. Well, he wants to take it down, though. Uh, yeah. th that's the only way they can get money out of it. Uh, um, I, as I said, uh, we're going to work with them uh, to try to make sure uh, that the right thing happens and that uh, it's a spectacular site. Uh, but as I said, I there are things about uh, the Thompson Center uh, that um, have made history, right? The creation of that curved plaza, the big atrium. So It's despised. 
by the people who work there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that it functions all that well for the users, uh, but I understand why people, uh, you know, have held it up as a, a, a new, a, a postmodern icon. Uh, that said, uh, I think it's going to take a very creative solution. Uh, and as I shared with you earlier, I'm very interested in, in opportunities to think outside of the box and uh, happy to do so with the Thompson Center McCormick as well. East. McCormick, McCormick Place East, the original building. It mm-hmm. sits on the lakefront, that spectacular site rebuilt after the fire. What should we do with it? It's not used very much. There's been talk uh, of a casino there. Yeah. Well, I haven't. Um, you know, I'm still trying to get smart uh, on all of these uh, sites. I have to say I haven't spent a lot of time uh, thinking about it uh, as I've tried to, you know, build a strategy for the west side and the south side. So uh, that's my current focus, uh, to make good on the mayor's promise to set the foundation for transfer- transformational um, change uh, in, uh, in the south side and the west side. And so that's really what I've been focused on. But if you had your druthers, where would you put the casino? Oh, that's, that's a good one. I think first we have to make sure uh, that the... The right. tax structure, assuming allows, that the tax structure gets, right. gets fixed, and uh, and then we can begin to think about location. I I will say, you know, uh, this administration is going to get this done, uh, and the mayor, right, but we, and the mayor you... is enlisting me to think through the idea of the site options, building from my experience. Yeah, in, well, from your experience in my, Detroit, what, well, where would you put in it? In Detroit, uh, you know, it's interesting. Detroit has three casinos. Uh, so we have one for every flavor. Uh, one was an adaptive reuse project, a uh, Greek town, uh, and uh, and another was you know located near an intersection, um, the the G, uh, the the MGM, uh, and then another um, the Motor City Casino was placed uh, in a neighborhood. Uh, and so I know what the impacts of these casinos are to to make place, and I know when they don't make place. So what did that tell you about what Chicago should do? Well, I hope that when we do this that we will um, try to make a place out of it and not uh, do a, a big box shopping center model where people, you know, go into a parking garage and they come out 24 hours later and get back into their car. So, uh, uh, broke. <laughs> broke. <laughs> but I think that when the mayor is ready uh, to engage me in a conversation about siding, I'm going to use the best of my experience to make sure that we get um, some kind of e- economic lift and urban lift out of the location. Okay, Commissioner Cox, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, you better get to that cabinet meeting. And (laughs) we'll we'll see you all next week. Thank you.